they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, January the 13th, for St. Hilary, uh, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. And we'll begin, it's noon, we can begin our um, program with the Angelus, since it's noon. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt amongst us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we, we beseech, beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Again, the, the distinctive difference between Christianity and all of the religions, mm-hmm. Christianity really believes, number one, that God is not a solitude, but rather a trinity of persons, the original family, yep. a father, son, and Holy Spirit, and that the Son of God really did become man, that the second person of the Blessed Trinity became incarnate. He took to himself a created nature. So when we pray the Angelus, and we're supposed to pray that three times a day, morning, noon, and, and evening, um, that's a reminder of this incredibly beautiful teaching of the Christianity, that the, the religion that God himself revealed and founded. So we want to look at today's topic. Are we going to be among those who um, uh, become hardened by the deceit of sin? And I talked a little bit about this at the end of the Terry and Jesse show this idea in our world today, people, they go around thinking, well, you know, um, God's going to get everybody into heaven. Uh, hell is not eternal, so we don't have to worry about it. We can do anything we want. And God is so merciful, he wouldn't send anybody to hell. Well, we need to look at the biblical account of this and see, and remember something about the Bible. You know, it, it, um, this is God's word. And this is what we believe as, as Catholic Christians, that God is the, the Holy Spirit is the primary author of scripture. So I want to look at Hebrews 3, 7 through 14, and then we're going to look at some passages that would be connected to this, that give us a background to help us understand more deeply what Paul, I believe Paul is the author of Hebrews, and I think there's good reason to believe that. Sure. And many scholars do. So we're going to read Hebrews 3, 7 through 14, and then we want to look at some points in this reading. So the reading from the letter to the Hebrews, the Holy Spirit says... Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at the rebellion in the day of testing in the desert. When your ancestors tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Because of this, I was provoked with that generation 
And I said, they have always been of erring heart and they do not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take care, brethren, that none of you may have an evil and unfaithful heart so as to forsake the living God. Encourage yourselves daily while it is still today so that none of you may grow hardened by the deceit of sin. We have become partners of Christ if only we hold the beginning of the reality firm until the end. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the first thing is, and again, I want to point this out because emphatically, the Holy Spirit says, mm -hmm. the whole, and what does is, what is the, uh, the author of Hebrews, Paul, say after that? He quotes you from Psalm 95 and also, I believe, from uh, Deuteronomy 32, Moses' warning to the people's instruction, his last instruction to the, the elders of Israel, that, um, oh, that today you would hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And Paul is saying the Holy Spirit was the one who said this. So, yes, the author of the Psalms wrote it. The author of Deuteronomy wrote it. Moses wrote it but it is the Holy Spirit speaking in and through them. And he's warning us today that you would hear his voice. What is the background for this? Well, you know, remember in the Old Testament when God delivers his people from Israel and he takes them, excuse me, delivers his people Israel from Egypt. Mm -hmm. And he takes them out of Egypt by a great show of force, finally killing the firstborn of all the Egyptians, man and beast, and so that the Pharaoh drives them out. And they cross the Red Sea, and then they get out there into the desert, and first they complain they don't have any food, so God sends them manna, and then in Exodus 17, they're complaining they don't have any water, and they complain against Moses, why did you bring us out here to die of thirst? First they were going to die of hunger, now they're going to die of thirst. And so, uh, give us water to drink. And Moses is like, well, how am I supposed to give you water to drink? And so he says to the Lord, what am I supposed to do? And the Lord tells him, he says, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the rod with which you struck the Nile and go, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb and you shall strike the rock and the water shall come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah because of the fault finding of the children of Israel and because they put the Lord to the proof saying, is the Lord among us or not? So here, the people of Israel, God has led them out of Egypt. He did all these signs and wonders in Egypt. He parts the Red Sea. He destroys Pharaoh and his army in their presence. And they get out into the desert. And as soon as stuff things get hard and it gets to be a little uncomfortable, maybe a lot uncomfortable, they start grumbling. Obviously, God's not with us. And we should have stayed in Egypt where we had all our flesh pots and we could eat and drink as much as we wanted, even though we were slaves and we couldn't worship God. We don't do that today, do we? As long as I'm comfortable, as long as I have my television and my entertainment and my sports and my radio and I can be addicted to pornography. And why do I need to go to church on Sunday? I don't need God. I have everything I need. I have my material being. I have my, you know, my entertainment. I, my senses are sated with uh, titillation. Wait a minute. Are we being a little bit like the Israelites in the desert? Just like it. 
And and so are we, but what does this do to us? First of all, the Israelites couldn't see the presence of God in their midst when things were tough because they were clinging to the desires of the flesh. And granted, we have needs too. We need to eat and drink, okay? We need to have food, clothing, and shelter. That's a need. It's a real need. But we don't need to have opulence, and we don't need to have constant entertainment, and we don't need to have constant noise. Mary, the bottom line, what you're sharing is what uh, Benedict XVI, John Paul II, and Francis have said about the need for uh, silence in our life. Yes. We are constantly bombarded by noise, whether we go into the store, uh, anywhere you go, it seems that there's a radio or some music being played, and it's almost like we're frightened. And you and I were with Father Don Calloway last Friday, a <laughs> week ago, and he brought this up to about six or 700 people in a packed church, saying that that was something that when he was living a worldly life that you're describing, and he found silence. It was like, what do I do with that? It was frightening. It, it scared the heck out of him. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't be silent. I can't not have noise around me. And what's interesting is we can have exterior silence, yep. which, by the way, we can stop the exterior silence. I remember the, our, our kids used to listen to the song. If, I'm, if we're adding to the noise, turn off this song. And so I would look at him and say, turn it off. <laughs> They're just adding to the noise. Turn off the video, stereo, all of it. Turn it all off. You're right. You're adding to the noise. We don't need, but then there's the internal noise. What's the inner dialogue we're carrying on? Are we, are we carrying on a pity party? Oh, the world, everybody's picking on me. Nobody will help me. I'm not responsible for my actions. I'm not responsible for my decisions. It was, it was the people around me who wouldn't make the decisions for me or who wouldn't stop me from making these decisions. Well, you know, I could take you and chain you to a bed. I, I, I know a story. My, my brothers had a friend in, in high school named Bill Hogue and Bill Hogue unfortunately got involved in drugs and eventually it, 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 Bill Hogue was a very intelligent and capable man, but the problem was he, it, the drugs ruined him and ruined his life. And by the time he was 40, even not even 40 years old, he had the shakes and, and he couldn't do anything for himself. Well, his younger brother, his dad saw what happened to Bill. So when he noticed that his younger brother was carrying on the same patterns, his younger brother was getting addicted to drugs, his dad did something, which today he probably would have got put in jail for. Child abuse. He took his younger brother... Bill's younger brother, and he handcuffed him to his bed. Right. Now, he took him out for walks every day, took him to the bathroom, make sure he got sure. food, make sure he... But he got him weaned of the drugs, right. and he stayed on him. He stayed on him, stayed on him, and his younger brother's life took a totally different path, and Bill was so heartbroken that his father couldn't see the symptoms in time to save Bill. Wow. But Bill's fall, and, and, the, and you know, Bill later gave up the drugs, but Unfortunately, it, it had a lasting effect on his life, but his brother got saved by his father saying, no, I'm going to be a real father to you. I messed up on Bill. I'm not messing up on you. Wow. I'm not going to let you go down that path. That's true love, willing the good of the other. Right. And he took a tough path. He, he literally handcuffed. Now, this was a kid in high school. Yeah. So, yeah. But when you get to be an adult, no, I can't make decisions for you anymore. No. True. So, hey, I hear the music. What's that mean? Uh, we're going to take a break. Oh, okay. We want to thank all our listeners, all the radio stations that pick us up, all of our supporters, uh, financial supporters, and those who support us with your prayers and sacrifices. And I don't want you to go away, and I want you to tell all your friends and family, please tune in to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. We'll be back.
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Mary, before you come on, I want to give a plug to something you did with uh, the both of us on Veritatis Splendor, because we're talking about right and wrong and morality. And back in 1993, St. Pope John Paul II had a document that really, um, I think, articulated some of the modern errors of morality. Right. And we went through a document there, and I think it's about an hour long, and it's our monthly donors who got it. And um, if you hadn't received it, uh, you want to get it, uh, you can go to vmpr.org.com or .org, .org. and uh, go ahead and register as a monthly donor. This is what we call our fireside chats. <laughs> and I thought it was real well done because it really answered a lot of the errors of today that are still going on, unfortunately, yeah. inside our church. So it's called Veritatis Splendor, and you can pick up the document free. It's on the Internet. All right, Mary, I much wanted to give a plug for that. Well, thank you. And, and again, I, we're reading here from Hebrews 3, 7 through 14. And um, I'm going to use some of the paragraphs from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And I just want to make a comment here. You know, people might ask, well, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, what is that? That's not scripture. Well, as a matter of fact, Pope Benedict XVI, when he was Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger under St. John Paul II, was very instrumental in putting this catechism together. He oversaw it. And um, Father Glenn Botton, who is our pastor here at Our Lady of Grace Parish at, uh, Sacred Heart, at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel, mentioned that even while he was a Protestant minister, yep. he was using the Catechism of the Catholic Church to <laughs> prepare his sermons on scripture. That's awesome. Well, why? Cardinal Ratzinger was a world-class, not only a world-class theologian, intellectual, right. but he was a world-class scripture scholar. That's a fact. So this, this catechism... There's no, there's continuous references to scripture mm -hmm. and um, not every verse of the scripture is touched on in this catechism, but every book of the scripture, I think, is quoted from in this catechism and there's commentary on it and explanation as to why Christians and Catholics believe what they believe. Mm -hmm. Going back to the fathers of the church, going back to the earliest Christians and reading what they wrote and then understanding scripture as they understood it. And I think we need to do this. We need to have the scriptures come alive. And again, as I pointed out in the beginning, the Holy Spirit says, when you're reading scriptures, remind yourself, this is the Holy Spirit speaking. This is not just a book that men put together. You know, some people like to say, oh, the God of the Old Testament was this wrathful, vengeful God. And the God of the New Testament, he's this merciful God. And it's like, no, as a matter of fact, in God, mercy and justice are not separate attributes. Mm. In man, they're separate attributes, but not in God. Right. In God, they are the same. God's mercy is just. And his justice is merciful, mm. but he will punish sin. And again, I I'd referenced um, Deuteronomy 32 in the first part of this. And I would encourage everyone to please read that. It was Moses speaking to the elders of Israel and warning them, you know, God is God. He's spoken to you, but you've been rebellious. You've been hard hearted. God is the rock who saves you. Don't turn your back on him. And it's, it's a whole chapter long. It's the whole chapter of 32 in the book of Deuteronomy. And it is Moses speaking to the people, to the elders of the people, to warn them to open their hearts to God and to give up their hard-heartedness hard -heartedness and stop following the gods of the nations. You see, Israel was, Israel was supposed to bring the God of Israel to the nations, the one true God, the God who was the creator of all. 
Israel was supposed to bring, but every time Israel got in among the nations, unfortunately, Israel went after the gods of the nations. Israel fell into idolatry. And we're doing the same thing today. And that's, I think, we need to wake up and turn back to God. Amen. And, you know, we've talked about Fatima. And again, I'm going to mention uh, Joseph Cardinal Ratzinger. He had an interview with an Italian journalist years and years ago in the 1970s. Uh, Cardinal Ratzinger, it was the Ratzinger, the Ratzinger Report, 1985. 85. Okay, it was 1985. And in that book, he says, Fatima and Lourdes are indispensable to the faith. And I remember reading that. And they, wait, 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 wait. Fatima and Lourdes are private revelation. They can't add anything. It's not a new revelation. Why would they be indispensable to the faith? And I thought <laughs> about that for years. Yeah. Well, what did Our Lady say? It was the mother of God. Now, we don't worship Mary as a goddess. We know that Mary is God's mother. And she was the mother that Jesus gave to us as our mother at the foot of the cross, Woman, behold thy son. And then looking at his disciple, he said, behold thy mother. And so Mary is our mother. So she comes to teach her children and to plead with them with God's permission. And she doesn't say, look, you guys, you're offending me. She says, stop offending God who is already too much offended. Repent of your sins, do your duty and pray and beg God for mercy. That's what she's saying. And this is the gospel, isn't it? What was the first thing Jesus says in the gospel? Repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the good news. And there's a reason he tells us to repent. Sin darkens our intellect and it weakens our will and it makes us ugly. Sin darkens our intellect. It makes it impossible or hard for us to see the truths of God and to see the true good that we were made to choose, who is God himself. It weakens our will. It makes it hard for us to choose God above all everything that he created. We look at the created things God made and we, we worship them, don't we? We think the body or we think our own feelings or we think our own desires are the God we should worship or we think money or sex or power or in our in our world and and you know the old days people worshiped the sun the moon the stars the whatever <laughs> they worshiped animals exactly. you know the golden calf in in the desert and in egypt and so we get confused and our will becomes weakened and it becomes difficult for us to choose the true good and to put aside the goods of this world and to only use the goods of the world in according to how they allow us to come closer to god and so, and then it makes us ugly. You see, we're made in God's image as persons to be loved. So when our soul is in the state of grace, we reflect the glory of God. Amen. There was a saint, I believe it was Catherine of Siena, who saw a soul in the state of grace. And the Lord told her it was a soul. She said, had I not known with, with absolute certainty that there is only one God, I was sorely tempted to worship Mm -hmm. because a soul in the state of grace reflects the glory of God to the point that if we didn't understand, we would think, well, that's God. No, it's just a reflection. We become a reflection of God. We never become God. We will never, we are always his creature. But nonetheless, he wants to share his life with us. But in order for that to happen, we have to give up sin. We have to give up our attachment to the things of this world. And that's, that's the clarion call here from, you know, in Hebrews, he's warning us that we can become unfaithful in our hearts. We can be deceived by sin. So we want to put sin aside. So I want to talk about the today that Paul is referring to here and that Psalm 95 refers to. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. What is today? Well, it's interesting. When the church celebrates the mystery of Christ, there is a word that marks her prayer. 
today. This is Catechism of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. paragraph 1165. A word echoing the prayers her Lord taught her, the prayer, the Our Father, and the call of the Holy Spirit. And they compare Matthew 6, 11 and Hebrews 3, 7 through 4, 11 and Psalm 95, 7. We're echoing the Holy Spirit. This today of the living God, which man is called to enter, is the hour of Jesus. Mm. Jesus's Passover, his Paschal mystery, which reaches across and underlines all of history. And then they give a quote from a father of the church. Life extends over all beings and fills them with unlimited light. The Orient, with a capital O of Orients, Christ, pervades the universe. And he has, he who was before the day star and before the heavenly bodies, immortal and vast, the great Christ shines over all beings more brightly than the sun. Therefore, a day of long eternal light is ushered in for us who believe in him, a day which is never blotted out, the mystical Passover. And that's from St. Hippolytus. And it's the Passover of Christ, that we enter into his Passover, that that, that today began when Christ came to this earth. And you can go to paragraphs. Um, there's another section of the Catechism at the end toward on prayer. And the paragraphs 2659 through 2836 talk about prayer and they talk about the meaning of prayer and how we are to pray and i thought i marked it but yeah i did 2659 and it says today we learn to pray at certain moments by hearing the word of the lord and sharing in his paschal mystery remember part of the paschal mystery is his passion Mm-hmm. Our suffering. Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence, to redeem it and to give it a meaning beyond anything we could possibly imagine. That if we unite our sufferings to his, they become redemptive. We can participate in the work of Christ saving souls. You know, Mary, I think of Colossians chapter one when you're talking about redemptive suffering. When St. Paul, I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church. And I think of what Fulton Sheen says always, that every action is like a blank check. So I'll be real personal with our Bible with the barbers. Uh, I uh, enjoy my wife when I come home sometimes, uh, like last night from the airport picking up my, my son, I was rather cold. When I got into bed, I had my wife, my warm wife, take care of me. Oh, she's so nice. Here's the point I'm making. Even that comfort as a husband in the morning, getting out of a, a warm bed to get up, I get to offer the, the comfort of being with my wife, even that as a sacrifice to get out of bed early. Uh, and see, th- the point I'm trying to make to everybody is these are opportunities every day, even things that are legitimate, like being with my wife, yes. But I can still I say, okay, I'm going to get out of bed. It's uncomfortable and offer that to Christ for the salvation of souls, especially the souls in purgatory. So this is an example of prayer being efficacious in affecting other souls because you've prayed that prayer as a sacrifice and giving it to the Lord and saying, I offer that for the salvation of souls. And then life becomes really a joy. And I I just will add one more thing, Mary, that Fulton Sheen 
said it well today on the Fulton Sheen saying of the day. It was so, so beautiful. If I find my little book, he basically said about pleasure. He said, one can get tired of pleasure. Yeah. But one can't. Now, here it is. I got it. Here's what he said. He says, you can quickly become tired of pleasures, but you can never tire of joys. Yeah. And you see, the joy of being able to serve God never gets tiring because it's something that you can, it's eternal. And all the other stuff we do on planet Earth, you know, really isn't eternal. But if we give everything to Christ, then that prayer life becomes efficacious for the salvation of souls. And it has eternal value. And that's paragraph 2659 points us out. It says, you know, yes, we're sharing in Christ's Paschal mystery. And his spirit is offered to us at all time in the events of each day. I love it. In the events of each day to make prayer spring up from us. Oh, my goodness. I hear that music. How'd that happen? How did that? that did you, did you <laughs> We're having too much fun. <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the Bible with the Barbers and learning about why the Bible is our guide in life and how it gives us meaning and purpose outside of this world. Stay with us, family. We'll be back with more on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So we're talking about today. What does it mean today that we should hear the Lord's voice? Well, we hear his voice in the events of our daily life. And this was one of the things that was revealed again at Fatima, not a new revelation. It was a reiteration of the gospel that God speaks to us moment by moment in the duties of our state in life. And our blessed mother said, the sacrifice that my son, Jesus Christ, God, requires of you is to do your daily duty. So doing our daily duty is a prayer. It can be a prayer. And we can offer that in union with Jesus. We can unite that to the Paschal mystery of Jesus. So in the present time, we encounter him. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. We don't have, yesterday is gone. We can offer that to the mercy of God and ask him to immerse that in his sacred heart. The future, we don't have. We're not guaranteed. I mean, God have mercy on us. So Cardinal George Powell went in for a surgery, had a successful surgery. He's talking to his doctor about the successful surgery, and he dies of a heart attack? Mm. Whoa. I mean, 81 years old, in good health. None of us knows the day or the hour. None of us knows. Terry and I have gone to the funerals of children, yeah. young people, teenagers, you know, young adults. And now there's a lot of people dying. Sudden, sudden adult death syndrome has become a new thing. It was the leading cause of death for adults in 2022 in the United States of America. So we only have today. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice, harden not your hearts. And the church goes on in paragraph 2660 to say, Prayer in the events of each day and each moment is one of the secrets of the kingdom revealed to the little children, to the servants of Christ, to the poor of the Beatitudes. It is right and good to pray so that the coming of the kingdom of justice and peace may influence the march of history. We should be longing for the coming of God. Amen. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done so that God's will influences the march of history. We can turn our backs on God and cut God out of our history 
and that's going to be miserable. I mean, look at the the Old Testament, Israel. You know, Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. Uh, people went into exile. Look at the suffering. The, the people who came out of Egypt, the Israelites who came out of Egypt, that entire generation, with the exception of Joshua and his family and Caleb and his family, died in the desert. It was the next generation that went in. For 40 years, that first generation wandered about in the desert, and they were all buried in it because they had rebelled against God. We do not want to rebel against God. We want to be in union with God. And by the way, as Mother Angelica used to say, honey, death doesn't change your will. It only solidifies <laughs> your will. So if you're living a life that's in opposition to God, do you think at the moment of your death you're going to change? No. No. So change now. Change today. Today is the day we have. So we need to change today. But it's just as important to bring the help of prayers into humble everyday situations. All forms of prayer can be the leaven to which the Lord compares the kingdom. And again, you can go all the way to paragraph 2836, so from 2659 to 2836, that talk about prayer. This beautiful, beautiful reality that, and by the way, what is prayer? You know, sometimes it's that conversation with God. It's a loving conversation with God who loves us, with God who loves us. It's that entering into a conversation with him. You know, it, it, oftentimes we think of our faith as a bunch of do's and don'ts or a set of dogmas. And look, the dogmas are important. And the do's and don'ts of the Ten Commandments are absolutely vital. Those are God's word. They're, they weren't optional, okay? They're, they're commands from God about how to be happy. If we want to find happiness, we need to keep these commandments. But our relationship, our, our faith is about loving God who made us. And God is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the original family. And we enter into a love relationship. We enter into a family relationship. And God comes to live in us. In baptism, God came to dwell in our hearts. So our soul in the state of grace, as St. Catherine of Siena saw, reflects God. Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure, we can never infallibly know if we're in the state of grace, but as St. Joan of Arc told said at her trial when they tried to trip her up and prove that she was a heretic they asked her joan dear are you in the state of grace little peasant girl who doesn't know anything about <laughs> wait do you hear the answer I love it. and joan said if i am not in the state of grace may god put me there and if i'm in the state of grace may god keep me there and that can be our constant prayer lord i don't want to offend you i don't want to turn away from you so if i'm in the state of grace please keep me there but if i'm not in the state of grace lord please put me there and by the way get to confession yeah. this weekend today as a matter of fact yeah, don't be, wait there'll be confessions tonight at sacred heart church in, in covina from 7 30 till, the till the, no there, there's no one else to confess so there's no ending time so hey guys a thousand people could show up tonight the priests will stay to hear confessions go for it you know get to confession sin is a real offense against god who is real Carl Menninger wrote that in his book, Whatever Became of Sin. And Carl Menninger was not a Christian. He was Jewish. Jew, and he was a, uh, but he was a psychiatrist. And he said 90% of all the mental illness he was familiar with in life was, due, was traceable to the loss of sense of sin. That's and he said, because sin is a real offense against God, it was real. So the guilt that it produces is not made up by the church. It's not made up by your family. It's not made up by society. It's real guilt because when you sin, you've offended someone loves you and you need to tell them you're sorry and that's what confession is for it's to go to god to say lord i am so sorry i have offended you so 
we go on with this reading here from, that was just about today, right? <laughs> I don't know, can we get to the rest of it? <laughs> so today, we have to do this today, by the way. We don't know if we'll have tomorrow. Nope. Today, repent of your sins today. Examine your conscience today. Tell the Lord you're sorry today. Try and get to confession today. And by the way, you can ask any priest anytime if you can go to confession. Now, if he tells you no, don't take it personal. Just say, Lord, please help me to find another priest who will hear my confession. Okay? Be persistent. Be persistent, but kind. Be persistent, but kind. So the, the people had hardened their hearts in the desert. We, we talked about that when the, you know, the, they come, grumbled against God, not having enough food, not having water to drink. You just brought us out here to kill you. And, and God said, they've always had erring hearts. And that's what he wants. What does the Lord require of us? But that we humble ourselves and walk humbly in his presence and give up our sin. This is what he wants of us. He wants us to trust him. Amen. Do we trust? And by the way, we can ask, Lord, no, I don't trust. My trust was broken by all the wounds of my past, all the wounds of my childhood. I was deserted by my parents, or I was beat up by my brothers and sisters, or other people beat me up, and I was always put down and beat up and told I was no good. And you know what? That's all I believe about myself. Well, it's not true. Look at the crucifix. And Jesus is saying to you, all the broken and wounded and those who have been beaten down, I love you. I did this for you as if you were the only one. Please accept my love and trust in my mercy. Trust me. I want you. I want you to accept my love so that you can love me in return and we can have a loving relationship and I can transform you into an image of myself. You know, Mary, when people come to that realization of what you just said about God's love for them, it's a game changer. And I tell people this, because I heard this when I was young and it affected me in a very positive way. The priest told me that if God stopped thinking about you, Terry, you would cease to exist. Well, I, that struck me. I thought, wow, God loves me. I mean, there's billions of people out there. Yeah, but you got to remember who God is. That's not a limitation for him. Right. And he thinks of each one of us. Oh, my gosh. Jesus Christ died for each yes. one of us as if we were the only one. That's a powerful thought. And it is a powerful thought. God has a mission for you. As, as Gianna Jessen was say, she's a, she's a saline abortion survivor. Yep. She was born alive during a saline abortion, saline abortion attempt. And, and fortunately for her, the abortionist wasn't in the room when her mother delivered her. Wow. Because the nurse called the emergency and sent her to the hospital. Yep. And so she was adopted by a Christian family, and she's learned to know the Lord Jesus. And she said, you were not made for mediocrity. You were made for greatness. Yep. You were made for union with God. And, of course, this is a truth that her Christian parents taught her that they learned from the scriptures. We were made for union with God. We were made for greatness. God has a mission for you, no matter how broken you are. And, again, get no turning back. Father Donald Calloway's conversion story you know, you think you can't recuperate from a broken life? Oh, geez. God can work miracles. We have to trust him. St. Faustina was told by Jesus, it is lack of trust in my mercy more than sin that keeps people from being saints. We're all called to be saints. We are all called to greatness. We're called, being a saint just means living in union with God. Moment by moment, day by day, today, today. I stay in the present moment. The past I give to the mercy of God. The future I give to his providence. Mm -hmm. I stay in today. And in today, I live in the presence of God. 
And, and Mary, I might add that daily duty that you spoke about earlier, that God's will is manifested moment by moment as long as we are staying faithful to our duty and our state in life. That's very consoling to moms, dads, to everyone, because you ask yourself, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Right. Fulfill that duty, and you're doing the God's work. And again, uh, it sounds very simple, but you know, in one sense, life is simple. Good and evil, redemption, sin, salvation, all these things we have to understand. The fall that we talk about in the Bible, the Genesis, all this makes sense to us if we can understand the big picture of the Bible. The problem is, the world we live in right now, they don't want to take the Bible as anything more than just another book, but has no authority, which they're missing the point. It's God's love letter to us. It's our instruction manual. <laughs> that's how I see it. Right, it is. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, take care, brothers and sisters, that none of you may have an evil and unfaithful heart so as to forsake the living God. Mm. And when we choose to sin rather than to live in the presence of God, we are being unfaithful. Now, granted, no number of venial sins can send us to hell, but every sin we commit darkens our intellect and weakens our will. So if we commit venial sins and we don't make a firm act of the will to resist venial sin, we're going to find it real easy to fall into mortal sin when we experience temptation. Well, I hear that music again. We get to take another break. Again, I want to thank the radio stations that pick us up. I want to thank our listeners. I want to thank all of those of you who support us with your financial help, but all of those of you who support, also all of those of you who support us with your prayers and your sacrifices and those who volunteer to help us. Tomorrow is the evangelization conference here at the chapel. And don't go away. We'll be back with more Bible with the Bible. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers here on this Friday. Um, this is the 13th of January. It happens to be the, it happens to be the Feast of St. Hilary. Yes. Uh, Bishop and doctor of the church. He defended the truths of the faith against the Arian heresy. He was among those who defended the truths of the faith against it. Many of the bishops had gone Arian. You know, we think we have tough times. In the time of the Arian heresy, over 70% of the bishops were Arian. They'd given up the true faith. <laughs> and so we have to pray. God can, you know, this has happened before. It's, it's, it's the same old, same old. God, God works with human beings. Jesus Christ really became man. He, the Son of God really took to himself a human nature. Now, he took to himself a sinless human nature. But when he establishes his church, which is his church that he founded, he uses sinful men to carry out his work. Yeah. And so, you know, be, if we're not careful and if we're not praying and sacrificing, when, you know, when we, get, we start getting comfortable, like the, you know, the, the Hebrews, they got, despite the fact that they were slaves in, in, his, in Egypt, they were comfortable in that slavery because they mm. had plenty of food to eat and they were willing to be slaves. And by the way, they were being led into idolatry in Egypt. And that's evident at the golden calf. You know, it's like, well, Moses goes up on the mountain to talk to God. He's gone for 40 days. And the people say, we don't know where this Moses went, Aaron. Uh, why don't you make us a God? And Aaron mm -hmm. says, okay, fine, I'll make you a God. Give me all your, your jewels and your, all, your, all your gold. And um, by the way, they'd gotten gold from the Egyptians as they left the country. So they had lots of gold with them. 
And so what does he do? He, he makes a cast and he gives, he puts all the gold in the cast and puts it into a fire and he makes this molten calf. You know what Moses did when he came down? Hmm. He ground up all that gold and put it in the water and made him drink it. <laughs> this is not a God. And now you've lost all the gold. Right. And it's just going to be waste. And the, the, the thing is, is this is what we do. We get in with the nations and we start thinking, well, we can, as long as we fit in, you know, we don't have to make any waves. We don't have to upset people. We don't have to make people feel bad. We just want people to feel good. Well, you know, it's not about feelings. Mm -hmm. Father Fessio was asked about, he asked Raymond Royal, asked him how he felt about, was it the passing of, Saint, of Pope Benedict? Yes. The 16th? That's right. And he said, it's not about my feelings, Raymond. Yeah. It, there's reality and yeah. and yeah our feelings are real and it's important to sure. grieve when somebody dies that's that that's the natural but, but what is the reality this man was a great man he was a man of prayer that's right and we pray for him that whatever weaknesses or you know the sins he committed god will forgive him and take him to heaven soon and that if he's in purgatory please god make his purgatory short and you, hopefully you know mary happen. what you're just saying reminds me of a tweet that bishop strickland sent out about benedict the 16th and it said this the Pope said, stand firm in your faith. Do not let yourselves be confused. Yeah. He said this was published December 31st, 2022. He wrote it in 2006, okay, so way before he died. But it's a, it's a simple, clear message. It's important for us in these confusing times. And I like what Bishop Strickland pointed out. Faith and reason are not in conflict. Absolutely. Faith and reason are not in conflict. So important to know that. Absolutely. We cannot reason to all the realities of God. He has to reveal to us mm -hmm. certain things. Right. The reality that God exists, we can know that from our unaided human reason. We don't need faith. Right. But that God is a trinity of persons, that God became incarnate, we need faith. Yeah. But it's not a contradiction of reason, and it's not a suppression of reason. And what Pope Benedict said there, that's what Paul is saying here. Don't be confused or discouraged. Give your trust to the Lord God. Encourage yourself daily while it is still today, so that none of you may grow hardened by the deceit of sin. And this is what Pope Benedict's point was. This was John Paul II, Pope Benedict. We have to give up sin. Yeah. What did Pope, Pope John Paul II echoed, I believe it was, Pope Pius XII, yeah. the greatest sin of our age is the loss of sense of sin. Yeah. We don't think sin is sin anymore. Right. We need to ask the Lord, return to us, O Lord, a sense of sin and the sensitivity of the saints. We need to know that sin is sin. And sin is a real offense against God who loves us. You know, Mary, you just remind me so much when I chat with you and I get to do it 24-7. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> uh, Mother Teresa said, to pick up a pin for love can convert a soul. It is Jesus alone who can give such value to our actions. Let us then love him with all our heart. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful prayer that Mother Teresa just said? Amen. And and that's St. Therese of Lisieux, the same thing. And this is yeah. the saints. It's funny how... how how the saints come to the same insights, yes. you know, and, and this, this, there's this reality that we should be doing everything for love. Mm. I remember I, and I mentioned this before I was talking to a group of young people and I said, we're supposed to be thinking about God all the time. That's what living in the presence of God means. Yeah. That doesn't mean we don't think about other things. We discipline our mind to stop the inner dialogue, to stop the self pity and the recrimination of others and the rash judgments and the hatred and the anger and the resentment and the ill will. We, 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 we discipline our minds to get rid of those things and to get rid of sinful thoughts. 
to wean ourselves of pornography or to wean ourselves of, you know, thinking only about what I'm going to eat for the next meal or um, how much money I'm going to make this year or what material things I can get. Or in other words, we wean ourselves of just thinking of worldly things and we constantly try to live in the presence of God. And somebody said, well, that's too much work. Well, no, it's not too much work. It's just that we have to change the inner dialogue. We have to change the subject of our meditation. What are we meditating on? And are we, are we meditating on God and his goodness, on his glory, on his praises? Or are we, um, are we singing his praises even? Or are we just saying, you know, like the, the, the children in Israel, Lord, why did you bring us out to this desert to starve to death? Lord, why did you bring us out to this desert to take away our food and water? Lord, why did you bring us out to this desert? Lord, why are you allowing all these bad things in your church? Lord, why are you allowing all these bad things in the world? You can't, there obviously there can't be a good God in heaven because there's so much evil in the world. Wasn't that, you know, Isn't that the mantra of many militant atheists in our age? Obviously, there's no good God in heaven because of all the evil in the world. Well, you know, where sin sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And we can ask God for the grace to rise up and to turn against that sin. Mm. And we don't need to be conformed to this world. We're supposed to be transformed by the renewal of our mind, St. Paul says. And Father Hardin insisted that we have to gain dominion over our minds, that we need to give our, our thoughts to the Lord and turn our thoughts to the Lord. And instead of thinking about the evil people do or might do, we need to start thinking about the good that God is doing. Amen. Mary, I, I think of Charles de Facald. We always look at the saints. Yeah. And you gave me this little prayer card. I have it here in the studio. I'm going to just read it because it fits our situation. It says, this is a prayer. We can all pray it. Father, uh, I abandon myself so. into your hands. It's- Do with me what you will, whatever you may do. I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. And then I love this last part. Into your hands I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord. And so need to give myself to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence for you are my father. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? Amen. And I realize there are a lot of people out there who are broken and wounded and have been betrayed by their fathers or their mothers. God does not betray us. And um, there's a, there's, uh, I, I encourage people to look up, uh, Y.J. Nightstorm, N-Y-G-H-T-S-T-O-R-M, on, on the internet. Y.J. Nightstorm is a man who was betrayed by his parents. His father and mother divorced when he was young. He was given into custody of his mother. But as he grew into a teenager, he looked more and more like his dad. And by the time he was 17 or 18 years old, his mother couldn't stand the sight of him because she hated his father. So she kicked him out of the house. He had nowhere to go. He was on the streets, and he lived on the streets, but he wasn't stealing. He would go to a place and say, look, I need a meal. Can I wash dishes? Can I wash your windows? Can I clean the place? What can I do to get a meal? But he was on the streets, and he would get beat up, and things would happen. And one night, he's on the streets. He had just gotten beaten up. Somebody had stolen everything he had, including his shoes. And this fancy car pulls up, and the man gets out, and he looks at him, and he says, I want you to know that God has a mission for you. And he said, I also want you to know that 40 years ago, I was sitting where you're sitting now. Wow. And someone pulled up in a car 
and got out of the car and told me that God had a mission for me. And the man took off his, I don't remember what kind they were, look up YJ Nightstorm, and um, took off his socks, very expensive socks, and put them on YJ's feet. And he said, as these socks cover and embrace your feet, may the love of God and his fatherhood cover and embrace you. Now, it took years, but YJ eventually came back. He was Catholic, by the way. And, you know, even in Catholic families, there are problems. Yeah. He came back to his faith, and, um, and, and he did fall in love, and he did find the love of God, suffered tremendously in his life. And yet this man, when he speaks, he exudes love. He exudes joy. He exudes the healing power of God's grace and mercy. Yeah, he was betrayed by his father. And many of you have been betrayed by your father or maybe someone in your family that you trusted as a father or someone outside the family you trusted as a father. But God will never betray you. So turn to him. And that's what Paul is getting at. Yeah, we live in a world that's fallen. We, we sinned. We're the ones who sinned. And because we sinned, we don't see the true good. We don't see the God who made us and who loves us. We see the evil around us. And believe me, the enemy, the devil, who wants to take us all to hell, is trying more and more to get us to see only evil. Mm. It reminds me of that image in the, in the Lord of the Rings when, mm-hmm. God bless you, the steward of Gondor is looking into the, into the crystal globe. And, but, but the evil Sauron has control of it. Mm-hmm. And, and so all he sees is defeat. He can't see the good that might come if good people will resist the evil. Uh-huh. And so he doesn't see the triumph. And so he despairs. And that's, we can't do that. If you keep looking at the evil, you will despair. You have to look to God and his goodness. Read the lives of the saints. Remember, they were no strangers to hatred and they are no strangers to love. Many of the saints have suffered tremendously, and, but they have turned to the Lord in their need and they have learned to live. And, you know, Charles de Foucault, who you mentioned, mm-hmm. he went to North Africa to serve the Muslim lepers. Right. And he was martyred at the hands of the Muslims. Amazing. But he did it with love. Yep. So we want to be the faithful generation who trusts always in the Lord and give ourselves to the Lord at all times. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the radio stations that pick us up, for our benefactors, all of our benefactors, material and spiritual. We need you. We need your prayers. And we ask you to share Virgin Most Powerful with all your friends and neighbors. Well said, I want to remind you, tomorrow's our evangelization conference. There's not too late to show up. Tomorrow, we start at 8 a.m. First talk at 9 a.m. Johnny Romero and Terry Barber. We look forward to seeing you there. You can come, and it's online. If you want to register, go to vmpr.org. You can be anywhere in the world, and you won't miss a word. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, or call us at 877-526-2151. Thanks for your support. This is our fifth anniversary for Virgin Most Powerful this week. Thanks again for making it happen for our supporters. God bless you.